That was the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life. Like you. Rip fucking dog. Thank you for joining us. We're Matt and Bob. We're here to pod. Or should I say we're Cliff and Rick, and we're here to riff. This is, of course, the analysis. That would be Rick and Cliff. Make that rhyme, but anyway. Yeah. What's going on, man? We're going to be talking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Eight fucking whiskey sours. I've had eight (laughs) fucking whiskey sours. If I fuck this podcast up, I'm going to blow my fucking brains out all over this mirror. Yeah, right before we hit record, I was just in the mirror like, if you don't give a good pod, I'm going to blow your fucking brains out. <laughs> I'm going to blow your fucking brains out. I'm going to prove to you, Hayes, I'm going to prove to that little girl out there that I can fucking do this. What the fuck was that last <laughs> podcast, Lion King, that I was on? I'm ready to pod, brother. I can't believe Tarantino stole my... my my psych up move i don't know how he was listening in on that but yeah yeah so anyway once upon a podcast brother once upon a podcast is it me yeah is it me or does this one feel big this one feels like a big one for us yeah i mean the the release of the movie is big i think tarantino is one of the last guys you're like i gotta go see this you know it's it's once every three or four years uh he's allegedly only doing one more but, I mean, who else? I mean, uh, Christopher Nolan vehicles. Normally when he comes out with stuff, Scorsese I normally get pretty jazzed for still. The, he's definitely, Tarantino, also because out of all those people we just referenced, he does the least amount of volume. I mean, this is only his ninth movie. So you always start uh, on a calendar, and, and I, I've been waiting for this. This is my most anticipated movie the last two years. When they announced this in 2017, I've been waiting for years for this movie. So yeah. it, it does feel big. The premise was exciting. The cast was immediately got you excited. Um, he, I mean, he's just been knocking him out of a park ever since Death Proof. I've loved his movies. Mm-hmm. Glorious Bastards, Django Unchained. Oh, man, before that, before that even, just as, as someone who was getting bit by the film bug and, and the Pulp Fiction is this kind of gateway into a real movie for me mm-hmm. and you you start oh, to cool. i feel enlightened when i watch tarantino movies i feel they're they're always challenging me and expanding my reference level not to yeah. say that i had this huge reference level i don't want to sound like a douche but i always feel oh i've learned something new i always this one to me feels like it's going to be one i rewatch over and over and over again uh, yeah. The Coens, there's another one where, where I kind of feel like this too, the Coen brothers, but uh, where you watch a movie and you're like, shit, I'm going to go back and do a ton of research on late 60s television and film. I'm going to listen and, and read up on the Manson murders now, and I'm going to come back and yeah. rewatch this, and I'm, I'm probably going to have a totally new experience the next time I watch it. I'm just, it's just such a, this is Hollywood at its best to me. Yeah, with like Tarrant. Tarantino like does his homework before his films. Like I, I feel like I watched kind of a summary of Kurosawa films when I you know took took in Kill Bills. 
But with here, it's like, oh, you kind of want to go off and do your own research to appreciate it more. I mean, they're all love letters. It's like, I've, and it's Tarantino saying, I've watched a shitload of movies. I've watched a shitload of westerns. Here's my western. Uh, or, you know, here's my uh, World War II epic, but mm-hmm. it's more fun. Just like, it's everything, it's, it, instead of watching all these old movies, you get to kind of have the more fun summary. Yeah, it's almost Cliff Notes, no pun intended, because Cliff Notes, yeah. but it's, it's, yeah. the, you get this without having to, exactly, without having to go back and rewatch this stuff, you feel like you get a taste for, for that, that part of Hollywood that you, we obviously haven't seen, or, or been aware yeah. of so it, it is I mean, definitely like, exciting guns Gunsmoke, bonanza lancer was a real thing like all these i mean by all accounts they're they're to watch them now that's bad you know what i mean yeah but uh tarantino's great at being like he loves the b movies so he loves the stuff the the, the high and low um he, he just because something's kind of slapstick or corny and cheesy i don't he doesn't grate that any lower he thinks it has its kind of own place and it's equally genius for what it is, and he loves movie stars. He loves everything about. Yeah, and mo- he's aware. He's he's the most aware director of what it's like to be an audience member because he obviously mm-hmm. spent so much time, and it's it's so important to him. The the films in general are so important to him that he has a hyper awareness of what it's like to be an audience member or what it what people's perceptions of a movie star are, and he plays a lot with that in this movie. Yeah, well, because so he owns this theater out here called the New Beverly, um, and um, I think every day leading up to the release of this film, he uh, he had like all these old school western <clears throat> lot pictures, you know, um, stuff like, you know, like the stuff that um, Rick, oh my gosh, uh, not Cliff, what's the, what's the name guys? Rick name? Dalton. Rick, uh, yeah, Rick stuff. Rick Dalton would have been in, um, and kind of le- so whenever he has a release, he kind of. He owns this theater now, so he just plays stuff from his archive, you know, stuff what he was watching when he was writing it. Yeah, his influences. Um, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of a cool... I've, I haven't been down there yet. I, I'm going to go for a second viewing of this movie. I'm planning to go to, to his theater to watch it, which should be cool. Yeah. So, so let's lay it out. So I, uh, we both saw it Thursday opening, opening day. Of course. Um, of course. The week... The weekend before, I was so mad because uh, the, at, the art, at the Cinemadome, they were hosting all of his films in theaters again, uh, some of them in 70mm, like Hateful Eight. Uh, and they would do three a day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And after a couple of those, they had kind of like pre-screenings of this movie. Um, and uh, I was kind of working a lot, but I, I, I forgot to go, so I'm kind of upset. I, I would, what's, uh, what's one that you would love to see in, movie, in theaters again? What's one of his movies I'd like to see in theaters again? I, yeah. I would, because I haven't seen it, in the theater before Pulp Fiction first and then after that Reservoir Dogs of a recent hang I'd like to see Kill Bill in theaters again the first one yeah and yeah. then I would probably wrap up that thought with a with Hateful Eight or fuck Django yeah, I, Django and, and then Hateful Eight I mean fuck I want to see them all man <laughs> I guess I uh I would have I would have gotten Hateful Eight uh just because that's the one that's like the most benefited C- from cinematic, the theater experience yeah. Uh, and to see it in 70. And then uh, a few years ago, I, I did see Pulp Fiction in theaters, and Sam Jackson gave, like, a Q&A afterwards. Well, that sounds amazing. Really cool. Yeah. Enough um, is enough. But anyway, uh, what's what did you think? I mean, I I had so much fun with this. I, I adored it. Yeah. Uh, I, obviously, we're just pretty much jaying off over here. 
but uh, it's it it completely delivered. I first I'm going to talk about my impressions, and then I'm going to reflect on probably what a lot of America's feeling right now, and a lot of that has to go with expectations. So when I first heard about this movie, it is this. 70 or late 60s Charles Manson was involved so I'm already kind of anticipating a lot of shoot 'em up almost inglorious bastards reimagining of history and really what you get is a buddy hang with two mm-hmm. amazing actors talking about acting and it's really a, a it's a story about friendship and with that, it's Tarantino's funniest movie by far, and it's got this slow burn in this slow, you know, in 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 a good way. I appreciated the the build to the final twenty five minutes there, but yeah. I think a lot of audiences are going to go in with an expectation. You think Tarantino, you're thinking cutting off the ear, you're thinking blowing up Hitler with three thousand machine gun rounds. You're th- that a lot of people are probably anticipating this highly violent movie, and really it gets to a point where it's it's mostly about the writing and the dialogue between Cliff and Rick, and yeah. I that's part of my favorite thing. When I go to see a Tarantino movie, I, I do expect action, and I do expect some grotesque gore. I... Uh, that, that sometimes can be fun, but my favorite parts about Tarantino movies are those sit-down scenes. The first scene in Glorious Bastards with the interrogation, oh, yeah. or the, 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 the scene with the cream, or uh, you, just all these great moments, all these, uh, uh, I'm talking uh, Vincent Vega riding around and uh, with Jules and talking about Royale with cheese, and would you give a, would you give me a foot massage like all that shit to me is <laughs> what i come back to over and over again once you see the the action and the gore once you kind of get numb to it but the dialogue lives on forever so for me this this movie definitely feels like a hang and i love that but it was definitely not what i was anticipating how about yourself yeah i mean those scenes are so much more iconic i mean that's why like the end of django i could kind of take or leave but the stuff leading up to it is 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 interesting but yeah it's like god what you just said all all the great quotes and the the best scenes are are not necessarily the gore or anything but yeah this this was just it was just it created a world that you wanted to live in i just like i wanted to be in like in that car you know just driving around with with rick and cliff and uh i just love the detail to that like the I mean, his red apple cigarettes that have been in all the movies and... Uh, the, oh, that um, Tarantino Universe stuff. Yeah. Um, the... What was it? The the, the wolf uh, dog food? Like possum and yeah, rat Yeah, yeah, yeah. These fake products. Yeah, yeah all the fake products. There's just so much detail goes in there and, like, the little radio ads that are playing and for, for all of his, you know, radio ads in the background for red apple and... Uh, just hit the red apple commercial at the end and during the midway through the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just uh, it was just such a cool world and and the vibe was just so. I had a smile on my face the whole time. Oh yeah, so uh, I would say I think Pulp Fiction's a funnier movie, by the way. But I, really? I mean, this was this was a blast. Yeah, I I um, feel I'm gonna watch this one over and over. It feels a little. It feels a little Coen Brothers comedy esque to me. Did you not get that? Almost uh, like a Big Lebowski. Yeah, like it's, no, and, I got that. And when you come back to it, it's these scenes are going to play funnier and funnier, and, and, and you're going to find different nuance in in some of this behavior. 
I, I, don't uh, know. I thought this one was... I, I'd have to go back and, and watch the funny parts of Pulp Fiction, but man, this... I was fucking... And then, of course, the, the ending. We'll, we'll get to that eventually, but I was howling, man, with with some of the, the, the comedy bits in here. I mean, Rick Dalton with that flamethrower, it just there's these little yeah. moments where it's... Where you just... He, he's blowing that flamethrower, he's rehearsing with it, and then it's, hey, man, this is hot. Can you turn that down a little bit? It's like, it's a flamethrower, Rick. How am I yeah, supposed yeah. to turn down the heat of a flame? <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. and then that, that long play, the long bit where you, it, it's it's good setting up Brad Pitt as this ultimate badass that can whoop Bruce Lee's ass, so it definitely right. is justifying how he could take out these three hippies later. But just the long play of that joke, and then cutting back to him shirtless on that riff going, oh, yeah, I get it. I get why I'm not doing this uh, this this picture now. You know, just kind of just all yeah. Of that that flashback is, was great. It was great. You know, I I I thought it was really funny. I think he just goes like, "Yep, fair enough." Yeah, I, yeah Brad Pitt was amazing in this too. Just his his smirky little comments under his breath, and like uh, you know, he smokes the acid dipped cigarette, and he's like, "Away we go." Oh yeah. Anytime you can get Brad Pitt on acid or pretending to be high in some form or another, because he's he's a very and they they also play a little bit with just the, the the actor himself, like the personas, and they it's almost a wink wink. He's had all these trouble with all these ex wives, and Cliff Booth kills his ex wife, or or is alleged to kill his ex wife, or just everyone knows that Brad Pitt's this Hollywood stoner, and to have him be this washed up guy with the, the the acid cigarette and tracing his finger and, and little bits like that it's it's a little bit of wink wink and self-awareness of your own celebrity in a weird way oh yeah no for sure i mean the fact that he cast all these famous people's sons and daughters as like the the hippie counterculture family members yeah because part of the theme is this circle of hollywood and and how it always reinvents reinvents the wheel a, a similar wheel at least and the the hippies are trying to break that and yeah it, it just the, the casting of that is is kind of this meta hyper awareness which is which well is it's also cool. like kind of like the, the the rebel the hollywood rebels become like the hollywood institution like over and over again That's yeah right. yeah i loved the the hippie hating with this movie because it, it works yeah. on a few different levels it's almost like how, the way cartman hates hippies yeah goddamn hippies goddamn hippies <laughs> like, like, like uh, rick beating on that hood and goddamn fucking dennis hopper loving motherfucking hippies and it also yeah. it, you could understand his disdain because me and you just have started to do our post movie research on charles manson but this is kind of the, the the hippie wave and easy rider with Dennis Hopper yeah. that starts to kill old Hollywood. It starts to it starts to Bonnie move people Clyde, away. Yeah. yeah, easy rider. It's that counterculture that starts to kill off the westerns and and so you could see as somebody who made his living and in, in his notoriety on westerns, you could see why he would despise hippies. They're killing me. They're killing my career. And so and oh then, yeah, for sure. And then this this kind of revenge porn battle that that they set up it, it actually makes a ton of sense in the actual history of hollywood at that time yeah and then of course you know dennis hopper appears in true romance uh one of the early yeah. films that he wrote um so yeah it's just so cyclical Every, like everything about like people he brings back and you know the fact that brad pitt was also in true romance is like the couch stoner character and, um do you think that we would see him doing more stunts like I, I thought we would kind of get like, oh, uh, Rick Dalton as this act- action hero, but then 
All right, cut. Let's get Cliff in there, and we see more of the yeah, filming. Yeah, almost like a little bit like the movie Drive, where you get to see a lot of Gosling in a yeah. mask or something, driving around and doing the stunt stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I did kind of anticipate that. They really only saved it for the for that that kind of fun the showdown Bruce. between him and yeah, Bruce, the Bruce Lee. Lee. I, I did like the bit where they were showing the spaghetti westerns and they show that the car jumping over a, a bridge and there's just a quick arrow. Oh, says yeah. Cliff Booth, Cliff. right? <laughs> yeah. That was kind of fun because uh, he's like barely gets to do anything. But yeah. Yeah, you, he's such a great character and Brad Pitt's so charming and, and you feel like they you could they could have used him a bit more or I guess I wanted to see more of him. But it was just kind of, it was also hilarious to kind of come in at their lowest point, you know what I mean? And you kind of get a little brief backstory, but then it's like you come in when they're on the verge of being washed up and this guy can't work anymore because of everything with, uh, you know, pissing off the, uh, what's uh, Kurt Russell's mm-hmm. wife who does a lot of the hiring. and Who's also a stunt star. She was, yeah. Yeah, yeah I forget her name, but she, she's been in Hateful Eight. She was in Death Proof. I actually, she I, was I don't the Kill Bill, uh, Stunt she was the Kill Bill stunt woman, yeah. Yeah. Which is nice. I mean, it's kind of, it's. I mean, it's nice of Quentin to kind of like be true to his people. I just, it's whenever you see Quentin in a movie, it's like, ah, uh, God. Yeah. It's it's kind of like leave it to the professionals, and it's the same with her. Like in Hateful Eight, I just that her and kind of Quentin, uh, or her and, um, uh, oh my gosh. Kurt Russell. Uh, no, the the guy, the other guy in Hateful Eight, um, who kind of ruined it a little bit, um, uh, Channing Tatum. Uh, kind of the, the just stuff like that kind of. Well, he's me a professional where... actor, though. Yeah, I know, but I. I oh, you just don't like Channing Tatum. Okay. No, I, no, I thought he was terrible in Hateful Eight, or it's just the weird casting where it's like, you know, he brings back all the, you know, John Mars or um, who's who's this guy from uh, Kill Bill that he, he uses all the time? Oh, uh, Kevin... Bruce Dern. No. Oh, well, fuck not. No. That's my bad. Huh. No, the. Uh, I want to say James Marston, but it, uh, it's the never mind. It, it's one. Of, it's one of the Reservoir Oh, Michael Madsen. Yeah, Michael Madsen. You don't like that stuff? Yeah. I love that. I you, no, you, no. I'm saying you, that oh. that stuff's great. Okay. I'm saying that he, he he's so great at like bringing these guys back, and they're awesome, and Tim Roth and the whole gang. Mm-hmm. But but then he kind of like forces, you know, he yeah. Uh, yeah, it was almost weird to see Timothy Oliphant as that the the popular actor instead of somebody like uh your boy goggins walter goggins that seemed like something he oh, could yeah. have reused somebody instead of bringing in oliphant i wonder why they used that like maybe it was because timothy oliphant talking to leonardo caprio on near misses in his career is almost uh, a meta joke because timothy oliphant's probably had a lot of near misses that leonardo DiCaprio was able to be cast in because they're about the yeah, same I age i wonder if that's one of his moves there well timothy elephant was also big i mean he was the star of deadwood and justified and that sort of thing okay so it's it's working he's kind of the modern western actor yeah so it plays okay that's probably more like it um but i really think this material was elevated by brad pitt and leonardo dicaprio and like you said Mm -hmm. brad pitt probably wins a lot of the out of the gate audience love and in adoration I, i i know that when I went to see this with Barry Irving and we walked out and we were kind of like, man, Brad Pitt got a lot of good material to chew on just in terms of laugh lines. But the Mm -hmm. more I think about the movie, the more I really appreciate Leonardo DiCaprio's 
commitment to and vulnerability in the role especially that gonna say that yeah the yeah, rick the, fucking the vulnerability dalton. yeah and just the it, the rick fucking dalton piece is uh that that whole scene between like how great it was and, and how realistic it seemed when he was fucking up his lines and then the the terror and the shame and, and like he almost starts crying and tries to take himself out of the scene and the director won't let him he's like no yeah. we're gonna keep fucking rolling he's like, i'm sorry man i gotta fuck i'm fucking this up oh my god and and the panic that that was going on <laughs> I there know, so and great. then the trailer scene with the eight fucking whiskey sours and i'm gonna blow my fucking brain you're gonna blow your fucking brain you're gonna stop drinking and then he goes to the fucking bottle real quick and then he throws it out the window <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like all all that was just just, just fucking awesome, and and his commitment because Leonardo DiCaprio is sneaky funny, and we've talked about this a lot on our podcast, but just the let, playing it so hyper straight, but letting the scene and the scenario be the funny part of it, um, it is 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 a really a true gift gift that he has. But then that moment that they play a lot in the trailers where the the little girl tells him that's the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah, and he's great. at this point in his career where he is all Tom Lowe, completely doubting his own skill set, completely, completely at a loss of where his career is going. And then to get that to to nail a scene and to get the validation, even if it's by an eight year old, and that close up, it's it's so great and just like fuck yeah, I still I still can do this. Like, yeah, he's got the the, it, the tears streaming down his face. Yeah, it's a great. It's really funny, but it's also to me. I, I just as a as a an artist and a performer, I've been there before, where you're just doubting your abilities, and then you you get validated, however silly it is, and then just and then just allowing yourself to breathe a little more. It was it was a real moment to me as well, and so it was working on a few different levels, which I really appreciated. Yeah, I just need that eight year old girl to come up to you and be like that. Uh, eight year old girl was fucking can... awesome. That was probably the best scene in the movie. Where uh, on their lunch break? Yeah, how fucking awesome was that scene? And he, and he starts reading the book, and as he's reading the book, he's 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 slowly starting to understand how how it parallels his life, and and yeah. breaks down in front of this kid. Yeah, that was great. Um, what do you uh, so the when we get to meet Bruce Dern, how sure were you that we were gonna see some like true detective shit? So like. Cliff Booths goes up to the what the Spawn Ranch, which is real. Yeah, um, that's where they actually shot a lot of stuff. It's all up in there in that same area, the Paramount Ranch, which I recently went to. It's burning. Yeah, and it's now, also which... working on that metaphorical level of westerns are dying, the hippies are taking over. That the fact that they're yeah. actually living on that ranch, and this is a ranch that they used to have a lot of success and a lot of big budget productions with. You know, that's that's its own metaphor. So they, that was one of the most intense scenes that I think he's ever written, uh, where he's like slowly, uh, did George still live here? Is George here now? And, he's, and you're like, dude, don't go back there. You're going to see some like rotten corpse. Yeah. It's, it's- but that's really, that's really where it gets hilarious because everything that Dakota Fanning, the redheaded weirdo that is watching TV, and everything she says is fucking true. He's taking a yep. nap. He likes to take a nap. He gets grumpy. You're fucking lying. Yeah. Lady. Nope. He's actually taking. He's uh, yeah. He's he's blind. He likes to watch TV yeah, shows. He, he likes to watch FBI with me at night. I was like, no, he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. He fucking yeah, he, does. He, <laughs> yeah. He took he took a nap because I fucked his brains out. And yeah, she <laughs> fucked his brains out. And yeah, so everything she said was actually God's honest truth. And so I, yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, that was that was the scene. That was the first time you caught a little tension in this movie. 
What were you expecting to find when he goes back? There? I definitely thought he was gonna. I thought everything she was saying was bullshit, and that it was either a rotting corpse or yeah, him in a bathtub or something like that. I, I definitely anticipated uh, like something out of Psycho, where it's like this skeleton who's been dead for months. Yeah, no, it's just this deranged old man that they were able to yeah. leverage. Yeah, just these these young chicks come in and start fucking this, this blind guy. This He's like, yeah, man. sure, you can. Yeah, you can use my ranch. Yeah, what the fuck am I using it for? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, for for a minute there, I thought he was like, you know, they were kind of feeding him acid or something. He was like out of it and didn't know what the hell was going on. But yeah, maybe he was just giving into it. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was definitely an interesting scene. I also was just kind of like, oh, what was the, what, where was the point there? But it, it, I, later in the movie, you figure out, oh, that's that's so he can have the awareness and throw them off their game that he's recognized them. Because once he's able yeah. to see, once he's able to meet everybody, then he's then he calls him out while he's all on his acid trip, going, "I fucking know you. You're gonna fucking. Yeah, what's your stupid ass name? You. What's your yeah, It was something dumber was and more like, fucking stupid than no. I, because he right. goes like, I, I'm the devil. I'm here to do the devil's work. No, and no, it was something dumber than that. It was like Rex or... Yeah, Rex. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tex. It was something fucking stupid yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, the, the, it had kind of... The movie was starting to plateau. It was... The, the first, you're getting to know the scene. You're getting to know the environment. There's that really cool scene where Brad Pitt's pulling out of Leo's place, and he's, he's in that shitty little car, and he's ripping down the highway, and it's, I don't even know how they were able to get all those old cars on the highway for him to pass. That was, a, know, that was right? a really fucking cool moment, but then, yeah, then you're starting to, you, you get the, you get the scene with Leo at the TV, and, and you get the Bruce Lee thing, and then you're starting to go, like, where are we going here? And then they add that scene in, but nothing, he just pulls away, you know, the tire gets changed, there's no showdown, but you're like, what, what, what was the point of that? But then you, you get the nice little payoff later on, on its purpose. Yeah, there's there was a few misdirection scenes, like when he's up on the roof, kind of, you know, fixing the, set, whatever, TV, and, and he's got his shirt off, and then you see kind of Margot Robbie uh, in, 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 in eyesight, and you're like, oh shit, she's gonna see him. And so the wheels start to turn, where it's like, alright, this is where they meet, and this is maybe where, like, Maybe, so this guy draws the Manson family to Shannon Tate's house, Sharon Tate's house. Is this yeah? Kind of how... Is it going to be Cliff's fault that they show up yeah, there in the exactly. first place? And then there was another misdirection when he goes to take his dog out, and the the the, the, the hippies have pulled up. It's that rattling car, and the hippies have pulled up, and Cliff goes to walk his dog. And you're like, oh, they're gonna fucking go into Sharon Tate's house. Cliff's gonna be coming back with the dog. He's going to recognize the car or something, and then he's going to bust in there and, like, light it up, like him and Rick. And instead, it's it's this margarita confrontation where they're, like, they, they change <laughs> their plans. So I think everyone's anticipating this dog walk to be the encounter where he ends up, there's going to be some sort of alternate change in reality, but it actually ends up being something completely different. You know what I mean? I I wasn't anticipating a, a Inglorious Bastards-esque, reality changing ending at all i was gonna like i thought we were creating these fake characters that were gonna somehow lead to these murders as opposed to how it actually happened so i I thought the actual murders were gonna happen but i thought these characters quentin had created would be the ones to cause it no i just think it was too too personal and sensitive to where i think there would have been a lot of media backlash if he would have just shown them going and well, there was, and that's why there was, like, the backlash, right? So then uh, apparently he meets with uh, Sharon's sister. So, uh, so, like, the whole Tate's family, Tate family was like, you can't do this, whatever. Yeah. 
And then so he meets with a sister, and after that meeting, she was like, absolutely, you have my blessing to make this movie. So Well, yeah, that... because he's he's reimagined it in a fairy tale setting, and it's this it's this once upon a time, the, the, the whole fairy tale thing. So it's we're going to give her uh, we're going to give her a happy ending to this dark type story. So it's yeah, it's all this fantasy and and what could yeah and and he probably loved her as an actress and he was like just a way to kind of exercise demons of, of like because uh he's quoted as saying you know within glorious bastards as well if the if my characters had existed in real life this is what would have happened um so he kind of creates these characters and just let them and let them go play and i think there, there's a line in this movie where i think maybe rick says it about how everything is so close. It's like one little change here, one little change there. I think because he, he's talking about missing out on the Steve McQueen The Great thing. Escape. Yeah. Yeah. And how his life would have been totally different. And if, if all these things had been, I mean, it, it, like in real life, if you know, just the slightest change and this woman would have lived and these grisly murders wouldn't have happened. Like had they gone to the wrong house first and this drunk asshole was like, get off my fucking street. Yeah. And they're like, Hey, fuck this guy. Let's go kill him, kill him instead. Uh, just so many things could have happened to change the course of history. Yeah. You know, that butterfly effect where yeah. if this, if this happens, if this doesn't happen and, and they play along, along with that with, with legacy, they play along with uh, transitions, these actors and they're trying you just transition and you reflect and, and you kind of pine for, a different opportunity like you said they definitely play along with that and then in the sense of how would hollywood have been different how would have because basically the manson murders were considered the the death of the 60s the the, the final yeah. uh, the final blow of the 60s uh and so just how do things change how does hollywood change do, do just and, and just this this entire butterfly effect that comes to just the slightest change in circumstance yeah, and so like all of you know Quentin Tarantino's beloved spaghetti westerns could have and, lived on. Yeah, or like those TV shows that he was obviously a huge fan of, Gunsmoke, and yeah, how did, you know that? How did what? you and in, in, how did you interpret the ending? Were you hopeful for Rick? Do you did you think that he was going to start doing Polanski oh, films? Like, what did you? I th I I think absolutely. Yeah, I mean, based on what happens here, you could make the case that he takes over for Jack Nicholson's fame. And, oh, and so he, he does become, Chinatown? He maybe he does Chinatown, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of make you know coming up with this now, but like at the end of the movie, I was like, everything's gonna be okay for Rick. He's now he's made friends with the right people. Yeah, but the um, Manson's still out there because the Manson murder, the butterfly effect again, because the Manson's because Manson's crew didn't commit the murders and then get caught. His he's still out there to to possibly murder somebody else what's the what's the cause and effect there because they do have that ominous you see him going in and he's meeting sharon tate and that whole crew but they they have that final shot of just that that blank space the open space in the parking lot it, i mean i don't know i guess it's if you're a pest right glass half well, full, yeah, it's glass half empty like, like he's still out there i mean it, it's probably like a um what what what's, what are those movies where like you, if you cheat the devil he's gonna like come back and get yeah get, oh get the, his, the final destination final de yeah it's kind of like a final destination right where Sharon Tate was spared so now someone else is gonna have to be the the end of the sixties yeah uh, and the feel the feel good era so whoever that is whatever but the, the fact that three of his family were murdered yeah you, you would have to think that 
maybe that would like wake these kids up and like, oh shit, like these were <laughs> our friends are brutally murdered. Fuck, yeah. I'm not following this guy anymore. Fuck this. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, let's 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 stay in the positive here. Sharon Tate lives. Uh, Rick gets to do Polanski movies. He becomes Jack Nicholson, and uh, and the the Manson crew leaves that fucking loser, and you know, he yeah he goes and fucks himself. I don't know. So yeah, um, I, what did you? I, go ahead, you. No, I was just gonna say I just love the the use of technology to. I mean, it, it just must have been so fun for Leo to be able to like, all right, man. Well, now you're gonna you're gonna be Steve McQueen, and we're gonna like, uh, I mean, they essentially just use the footage and put him in. But then the one where he's in that where he's the yeah. bad guy in that in FBI. Yeah. I thought it was so fun. Uh huh. And see, he's jumping off the back, and you see oh, him like. Oh God! Re- the TV show. Them just watching it. Oh, that's a nice leap. Yeah. There. That was a good leap. Oh, that's <laughs> that's, that's Bill Whitaker. That's Bill Whitaker. He's a good dude. <laughs> it's just like this like dead yeah. corpse. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, that, them <laughs> just watching the show together. Basically, like, me and you on a fucking couch commenting I know. in a TV show. That's that's what that felt like. Just two shitty actors <laughs> watching. I could I, I could have done with more of that. Because also, it's like, he's not just his, uh, you know, bag man. They're actual friends, you know? And they uh, It was like their last night together before... You know, Rick goes off and uh, sells his house, blah blah blah, and yeah. that whole thing. So they're getting they're getting blind drunk together and just watching his old shows. I thought that was so great to see kind of their uh, camaraderie and dynamic. Yeah, it's a movie about friendship. It's a movie about friendship first, and then career transition and life transition, and then and then the butterfly effect. What if kind of fantasy? That, that, that I think that's the flow in terms of the the core themes of this movie. And yeah. and the friendship stuff is I think what's gonna help this movie live on past once you've seen the 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 gory action stuff you're gonna gonna get numb to that but you're really going to come back to this movie when it's gonna be on eventually seven years from now on TNT or anytime you kind of throw it on while you're doing your laundry or whatever you're gonna really like those those little moments that we're talking about and just that 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 really nice moment where cliff's getting loaded into the ambulance and it's just like you're a good friend cliff and it's it's a really mm-hmm. sweet moment between the two of them and, and you really fall in love with these characters they're super and endearing away we go yeah i uh i i just i really liked that that piece so uh and that's that's kind of why i think it's like cohen's it feels kind of cohen cohen comedy to me like this dark comedy but tarantino style with all this amazing dialogue and and the two actors just elevating it and just hitting it pitch perfect is is why i had such a good time watching this it's a, it, what, what do you go what do you think the significance was of the fact that they transposed um leo into the old school footage but kept sharon tate kind of as she was instead of having margot Robbie kind of in those scenes doing the doing the footage like that that wasn't margot yeah. robbie doing the no no that was actually oh that was sharon actually tate. sharon tate ah interesting i don't know I, I i thought it was man she must just look a lot like her because i thought that was her um yeah i did like that scene a lot of people have been bitching that margot robbie was underused and didn't really need to to be in the movie if you would have just kind of showed a poster or maybe just the the, the ending scenes but i guess Another way to look at it is there were kind of throwaway scenes in those 60-type movies, and if this movie is emulating that, then you can kind of throw away a few scenes or just have some 
some decoration in your movie and um, I really I really love that though I I loved her to seeing her the joy of her getting to go to see her own movie and kind of the the innocence of it and mm-hmm. uh, and Tarantino loves his foot scenes uh, so he, yeah. to get her dirty feet up there and it's also nice because the only thing people think when they hear Sharon Tate is brutally murdered so you kind of you get to see this this sweet right bright eyed uh, woman and and so they can kind of play with that a little bit yeah I guess. Uh, I guess that was that was nice to see. There's a, a lot of close-up of, of dirty feet in this movie. Yeah, she got her I, feet up on the, and then the the woman, uh, the the hippie pussycat with her foot up on that uh, window, mm-hmm. and then also Sharon Tate's feet is so basically the the, the 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 bottom fourth of the screen is is her dirty foot. It's like a lot of dirty. There's a feet. lot of cool like angles and shots that he uses. They're like so old school, you know, sixties. Um, era where it's like you know she's bent over uh, uh, talking to him and and then it's just like the ass is like full frame <laughs> yeah. and I was trying to be polite and not look at it but there's really not a lot of other places to look I know yeah. man that was that was sexy man that was like that was a hot scene and then and then we get uh, all the, all the shots from like the gun belt the like the classic the the guys in shadow in the yeah. front of the scene you, yeah and then it's just a point of view from his like his gun belt looking at the guy he's about to kill. I mean, that, that stuff, it's so dead on and it must be just such a thrill for Quinn to be able to like recreate that. And yeah. Cause he's got, bring... he's got such an appreciation for it. So to be able to, to, cause it's, it's dated and it's, it's a, it's a reference, but it also feels fresh because idiots like us haven't seen anything like that. So it, to, yep. it's just this genius. We're like, Oh my God, what a cool choice. But it's this throwback and you know, it, America loves nostalgia, so Did, for sure, yeah, he's the best at that. Uh, I also loved when uh, Leo finds out that Sharon Tate and Jay Sebring think that he's the celebrity. Like he he gets justified and validated when they're like, "Oh, you're the guy from that fucking TV show." Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You know, he's been bounty law. He's like, "I'm forgotten on this fucking has been." I've got to do spaghetti westerns, and it's like, "No, you're the fucking guy from Bounty Law." Fuck yeah, that, that was a that was a nice little heartwarming moment as well. well yeah, well, I don't really get that because so he's a TV star, Bounty Law, and then. It's like he's trying to avoid being typecast. So he plays the heavies, and then we get the scene with Al Pacino, the agent, who's telling me like, "Hey, you need to go off and do this because this is what they're doing to you. They're they're making yeah. the public." That's basically think that, Tarantino's you know. perception of when he watches shit on TV. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. But having said that, I mean, Clint Eastwood made his name doing spaghetti westerns, and uh, Sergio Leone and fistful of dollars and i mean you know good the bad and the ugly those are why would anyone have uh an apprehension to going off and doing those films yeah i mean it's i guess it, it was the it was the getting the awareness of your current place in hollywood and then yeah there's probably a stigma at the time it's it's easier to look back in hindsight now and say why would you want to but at the time he was still trying to be a leading man in film he still has that self-prophecy of like oh if i fucking have a right pool party i can be in a polanski film so that's the death nail to to that dream by going and doing the spaghetti westerns i loved all like the marquees and like the old posters oh the production design holy shit i mean that see write that into the oscars right now that that's gonna win production design seeing leo as like you know these caricatures and like on the posters as like 
this cowboy and sheriff and uh that stuff was so so on point and uh time specific it was fantastic uh man that was and i I know you drive around those streets every day so i'm sure brad pitt's getting on the fucking on-ramp that you get on to go to your auditions and shit like that well, that was that was a really cool aspect of seeing it in Hollywood. Is that like we're we're in the dome. So then, like when when that comes across, because uh, it had just opened, I think that year, uh, the the first movie shown at the Cinema Dome was uh, "It's a Mad, 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 Mad World." I think it was in the late '60s. Uh, so when when that's all lit up and shown, like this theater of 800 people is all cheering, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And then uh, and then so after the movie, me and my buddy we went to Musso and Frank's. Uh, had a martini and you know a prime rib sandwich and that that's a really cool uh it's just in like the asshole of hollywood it's like this piece of shit mm-hmm. uh, part of town but it's kind of like this still this classic oasis so and we sit down and we uh, so we get like a so in the scene you see uh cliff and uh and rick are sitting at the bar that's on the the east side that's kind of like the main dining room yeah. um, and on the other side of the restaurant is where like they uh is another long bar um and some other tables but um uh and we were sat right in front of the grill the grill master so like these like giant steaks are being handed this guy all night and he's like grilling them right in front of us on this wood-burning mm-hmm. grill and then so as we sit down um uh the director i mean i'm gonna blank on his name right now but uh, uh the, the guy from the uh, shape of water walks in and he's like sitting waiting for oh uh, <laughs> yeah what's his name it's... fucking i love monsters yeah what was his name I want to say Del Toro, but it's Guillermo uh, Del Toro. Yeah, uh, no. Guillermo Del yeah. Toro. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, so yeah, so yeah. I mean, that, so it's just funny that like people still, the stars still come in there a little bit, and uh, that's kind of an old school Hollywood place. And then um, you know, El Coyote is a Mexican restaurant right down the street from me, and yeah, um, it's uh, it's just funny to think about that as an institution because it's just like a basic Mexican spot. Yeah, it actually but, reminds so- me real quick about my brother was telling me once he went to see Jackie Brown in theaters, and they there's a scene in Jackie Brown where they're driving into Detroit and there's a quick shot of the Ambassador Bridge and and the Barry Sanders the the big ass Barry Sanders poster that used to be up downtown and people in Detroit started cheering. You know, it's just like oh yeah, fuck yeah. So it seems like you had a pretty similar experience just with some of the the downtown LA scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, more movies are made in the, around this area. It's not totally yeah. uncommon, but, uh, for this, it just felt different. It was like, ah, oh, yeah, cool. It's like a unique experience. And then plus like on opening night, they gave us this cool, like, um, old school magazine with like, you got Rick Dalton on the cover here, rise of the leading man. Hey, uh, yeah. and then throughout there's all these cool little vignettes and it, it's like, a it's like something you bought in the era. And there's all these like uh, classifieds in the back for big Kahuna burger ads and Wolf's Tooth dog mm-hmm. food. There's a there's a spawn spawn movie ranch horseback tour listing. Here. Nice. Um, somewhere to get your headshots. Yeah. That's cool. Um, That's I, cool. The rise of the leading man because Leonardo DiCaprio is benefited of having a career. Basically, the the leading man becomes a thing, and then Leonardo DiCaprio has basically for his entire career been this leading man and it's something that may or not may not be happening anymore in hollywood but he's kind of one of mm-hmm. these last kind of brad pitt and him are these two yeah leading men I was just, gonna just say. another fucking crazy meta hyper awareness that tarantino has that i love where he's like i need to get some leading men uh who, other than tom cruise yeah brad pitt and leo that's almost 
about it. And Christian um, Bale, maybe, but yeah, it, yeah, it's it really is. Uh, it's it's a thing where there's a lot more ensemble work happening now. But yeah, the leading man uh, carrying a movie, not, like the not... the James Deans, the Jimmy Stewarts, the the Gary Coopers, yeah. or whatever, yeah, or Cary Grants. I mean, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not. That's so old school, and it's really hard. Uh, it's just cool that he he built this movie around yeah. the current versions. I have a question for you. Do you yeah. think that Brad Pitt killed his wife? <laughs> um, I didn't really think twice about that. I mean, we we kind of cut to a what could be a again with the angles, right? You see the angle of her, you see the angle of the rocking boat and the spear gun, and yeah, whether or not he kills this... his wife is pretty important, though. And they really kind of get away from it. But if you find out that he actually murdered his wife with a spear gun, I don't know if he's as lovable. <laughs> And he also talks about how he's been avoiding jail for a long time. And I was like, fuck, man, he may have killed his wife. If everyone knew about it, how did he get away with it? I don't know. Just well, there was he, it, he definitely shot his wife with the spear gun. Whether or not it was an accident or not is up for debate. Oh, I see. Yeah. Like, he he could have just let it go off, or the rocking boat could have triggered it, yeah. or maybe he... Um, oh, that's probably... So you think he got off because he was claiming it was an accident yeah. because of the rocking well, the boat? Yeah, the boat was rocking. I accidentally, the, the gun got triggered. She was in the way. She's dead. That, oh, that's great. Well, I, <laughs> see, I wasn't sure if that was just like the rumor, like the rumor going around, and then we see the rumor. And I was like, oh, yeah, so they were on this boat and he had a spear gun. Um, but I, I guess we have to believe a woman was murdered and... Or, or, or killed, and then people think he murdered her, but he was able to get off based on an accident. Yeah. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, maybe she was bitching at him, and he he pulled the trigger. Yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't really seem like Cliff to, to, to murder his wife, but I don't know. Uh, I, I just uh, I mean, just, a, just an interesting thought that we never got an answer to. Very Tarantino. They tease you a little Let's bit. Let's just say he didn't put the safety on. Yes. Uh, there was, Whether or not the intent was there. There was another funny thing that happened to me while watching this movie is for pretty much the entire uh, hippies breaking in and, and the whole fight scene, I thought that Leonardo DiCaprio's Italian wife was Cecily Strong from SNL oh my God, doing, yeah. doing I, an impression. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, is that Cecily like, Strong? What a weird choice. What, yeah. was fucking Kate McKinnon busy? And then, and so then I actually had to get, then eventually, like, at the, at the very end of the movie, they show her kind of going to bed, or, or there's something, there's one last shot, where I was like, oh, it's not fucking her. But it looked a lot like her, and, and it almost seemed like how Bill Hader used to do that Italian interview show, how he would just make up Italian words. Right, and I was like, right, what right. a weird thing that Cecily Strong got in this movie, but I was wrong. It, it definitely there, was. There are, are, there are angles where it kind of looks like her yes. a little bit. Yes, but, uh. Yeah, just man, such a such a fun hang, and and I, I'm gonna I've, I've been listening to Charles Manson type podcast. I sent you a couple, and I've been reading up on yeah. some 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 60s. So I'm gonna go back and see it in 70 millimeter this week. But just uh, just from the production design, the writing, the chemistry, of the two actors, and really the fact that this movie relies on its comedy, and it's a damn fucking good comedy. Uh, just the fact that I was I. I was a little surprised. I, I, uh, I just completely tickled with the movie. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, yeah, I mean, because it wasn't shot in 70, so they, they, they shot in 35, and then they, they, they've kind of uh, retrofitted it. 
Um, but so I saw it in seventy, like two rows back. <laughs> it took some getting used to, but uh, okay. it was kind of, it was cool and like how imposing the the three story dome uh, screen was, and it, it kind of just it served to fully encapsulate and just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I mean, it was. It was cool. What uh, do you want to quickly talk? I mean, should we give our our Tarantino Rushmore and wh- where this fits Ooh. in? Um, I got a few in front of it. It might. It might make the top four. There's only nine. Uh, yeah. I, there's only nine. I'm putting it in front of Jackie Brown. I'm putting it in front of Death Proof. I'm putting it in front of Hateful Eight for me at least. I know a lot of people really like Hateful Eight and some of the things that did, but I'm putting it in front of Hateful Eight. So that already kind of puts it in a top six uh i'm trying to okay um so for me i got uh well i also include true romance because i i think true romance feels more like a tarantino film than jackie brown does even okay. i mean i know it was directed by tony scott uh i recently rewatched jackie brown I, I wanted to give it another shot and i still just like i'm not it's just not, not as fun no, I mean, it's a fine movie. It's just not a good Tarantino movie. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's his most uh, mature. Uh, he was like 26 when he made it. But yeah, that's all great. It's just not as fun. So I, I have Pulp Fiction but as even the... A, even a Tarantino movie that's not his best is still the best movie you're going to see that year. But anyway, I digress. So Pulp Fiction you have? Yeah, Pulp Fiction number one. I think that's kind of hard to hard to top that. And then just my favorites. I have Inglorious Bastards after yeah. that. Hateful Eight. I love the experience of... The theater experience there was kind of super unique, and uh, the fact that he used the cameras that had last been used on Ben Hur and just everything that kind of went into that, I, I really loved. And then Once Upon a Time, I have kind of rounded out the top four. Yeah, I'd probably go with that. Only I'd, I'd, I'd probably swap Wes- Reservoir. I'm gonna have trouble saying this. Reservoir Dogs with Hateful Eight, but yeah, I think that's. I mean, yeah, it's can't argue that. It's I love Reservoir Dogs, and that's another movie I've, I've seen Tarantino movies so many times, and I'm I'm always able to discover new things. And I don't want to beat a dead horse by saying how much I feel that he he enlightens my reference levels. So yeah, uh, Kill Bill is hard to leave off of there, but I think I'm gonna yeah, they're I'm gonna, fun. They're yeah, just... I'm gonna see the I'm gonna watch this more than I've watched Kill Bill. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, I I would say that, but. Uh, just, man, now I gotta wait seven years to, and he says he's only doing t- ten, and this was number nine, so I wonder what's gonna. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, th- I've heard that he wants to do a Star Trek movie. I hope that doesn't Which happen. You... Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I, well, because he's done some guest director stuff. You know, he's hopped onto CSI. He did an episode of, uh, I think Law and Order, maybe. Um, so he's kind of bounced around, and because he, he just wants to he wants to try his hand at every genre, right? I mean, Death Proof was so he could build the, he, he could film a car chase. Um, so he did that. Has he done um, horror? Um, I I guess not. I mean, that he does have kind of comedy horror though. I mean, think about the 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 end of this movie where this woman has been face bashed in multiple times and she's like screaming and wailing her arms God, the fucking flamethrower when he comes out of that pool shed with the (laughs) flamethrower i just lost my mind i was cheering i was i was taylor brennan watching the wolverine movie edge of your seat just (laughs) i stood i wanted to stand and just go yes what a fucking awesome callback Oh man, I <laughs> that love... what that was great because I I don't think anyone suspected he kept the prop. Yeah, considering how 
dangerous he yeah. thought it was. Yeah, that that callback was amazing. Uh, just just hippies as a villain is such a great idea. And going back to Cartman hating hippies, but just uh-huh. they're they're fucking creepy. People yep. fucking whacked out of their gourd on acid working in a huge cult to come and, and massacre you. That's that's scary as shit. And Manson's always been something that's I don't even want to learn a lot about because it creeps me out and yeah. it is just devil worship and all this fucking crazy shit. And so to to be able to to melt those people or just, I mean, brutally smash their face into a coffee table. That, I mean, the whole women bashing thing made me feel uncomfortable in, in, in a way, but it just. Yeah, to, to see Brad Pitt do it as well. Yeah, that was that was kind of like, oh, but um, you also remember that these people are portraying people that brutally massacred people so you're like okay smash their face in i guess but it, it yeah it's just uh that that final scene man got my palms sweaty and and i was i was on the edge of my seat but the the, the it just completely breaks that tension with the, the flamethrower <laughs> into the pool <laughs> hey man sometimes you gotta decide if you're gonna be the guy hanging on the cross or the one banging, banging in, the in the nails <laughs> so that seems like a, a line that rick dalton would say yeah. 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 Move aside, Mel Gibson. Yeah. Uh, what a what a fun time. What a fun hang. Yeah. This well, this has been a fun hang. I, I can't wait to see the movie again. Um, it's it's yeah the most anticipated film of the year for me for both of us, and I think it delivered, and I thought it was a blast. Yeah. Uh, Oscar predictions. Um, I think we'll see a lot of nominations. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe Brad and Leo and. Yeah, uh, like Brad, you said, uh, Leo uh, for Leo for lead, Brad for supporting. I think they definitely uh, rock uh, rock the comedy uh, uh, Golden Globe shit. They're gonna clean up there. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, those two will probably be nominated. Production design Art for design. sure. Um, yeah. Probably costuming. Uh, probably probably writing. I'd be really surprised if they because this is also a critical darling. This is that old Hollywood. You know how Hollywood loves to pat themselves on the back while they're patting themselves on their penis so i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah. you're gonna see uh the writing and we'll see about director I, they, they sometimes they they give tarantino love sometimes they don't so i there doesn't seem to be a lot of contenders right now so no yeah so far a fairly uh weak year i guess you'd have to say but it's kind of summer yeah. so we don't get a lot of nominations in the summer but I think I, I think you'll see you'll see nominations get wrapped up. I think this is honestly I think this is top three Leo, and so I think people are <laughs> yeah, I think I over time people that. are going to appreciate the where this kind of fits in terms of Leonardo DiCaprio and in his filmography. But I, I go Wolf of Wall Street first, and then man, it's it's probably this is this is pretty close. I mean, Revenant I've already kind of forgotten about that performance although i appreciated it in the moment this is probably number two for me yeah i love i love Mary anyway. Redmond. Uh, yeah i mean that's it's definitely his most like vulnerable and selfish self-referential and i think it, it's interesting like people are either talking about how great leo is or they're talking about how sure brad pitt is to win an oscar for it and i i, I hope think he they're gets both a supporting act- actor oscar yeah yeah, I think I mean it's just it's just him being a cool guy. But he's but amazing it at was, it. He's the fucking yeah. best cool dude ever. He's all he's yeah. always been the, the the charm and the charisma. He's always done that, and him just getting a, a fantastic opportunity to and ah, just I would I would love to see that as it's just a movie fan. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, definitely big recommend out of both of us. Um, yeah, any final thoughts? I mean, just go see the movie, and maybe you'll see me at a theater near you because I'm going to be going back a couple more times, you pieces of shit. Don't forget. When, when you're. Yeah, go ahead. When, when you're out here in October, uh, I wonder if it will still be in theaters. It'd be cool to try to go see it at uh, Tarantino. Well, I already know what our Halloween costume is going to be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Look out for Cliff Booth uh, and Rick Dalton at some sort of shitty Hollywood bar. We should go to that fucking place you were talking about, that, that, that bar you were talking about dressed as uh, Rick and Cliff. Musso and Frank's? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, we should go. And then uh, Cameron can be Al Pacino. <laughs> He's got a dog. Yeah, the... <laughs> So. He, can be, he, can be the, he can be the one complaining about the surface. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't forget to like and subscribe, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Mr. Hayes. I, I love talking to you about this kind of shit. Oh, yeah, it's a blast. Let's, uh, let's, let's go watch some FBI together and talk about that great leap. Yeah. <laughs> great leap. Yeah, great leap. All right, everybody. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye.